in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and read that for you. That will be the basis for a message this morning on Godly Mother. So 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of uh, Ramoth and Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Joham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. And unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten and shouted, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she bowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken and put away thy wine from thee? And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken here, hitherto. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. 
Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man of Hannah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent we worship the Lord there. May God bless the reading of this word. Shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit, even after Christ, whom you have sent into the world, your only begotten Son, that we might live through him, that your Holy Spirit's words may indeed ring true in our hearts and bring comfort, especially for your promises. In Jesus' name. This is the period of what's called the Judges. It is a time of turmoil and confusion, as we have also studied in a previous lesson in Sunday school in the book of the Judges. The time Israel was vulnerable to its enemies, and especially to the Philistines, which were an atrocious and cruel lot. A time of moral debauchery. In those days, there was no king in Israel, it says, at the very last of the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar? The time the religion had grown cold, they had grown cold. Moral scandals, even the families of the Levites, the priests of Israel, who had wives, by the way. Imagine if you don't have a wife. How atrocious must that be to forbid to marry? Even as the Bible tells us not to and calls that a doctrine of devils. So this nation was weak and impotent. You heard the saying, as it goes in the pulpit, so it goes in the pew. Meaning, if there is an iceberg in the pulpit, there will be an iceberg in the pew. If there's fire in the pulpit, there will be fire in the pew. Well, the same goes for the church and the world. As it goes in the church, so it goes in the world. The church becomes, as it were, a barometer of the spiritual condition of the land. And I would judge by that, on that basis, that our country is not doing too good because the church is not doing too good. And maybe that's where we need to start. 
You're the salt of the earth, but the salt hath lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. And what's worse yet is described in 1 Samuel 3.1. What's worse yet is God is silent. It says in 1 Samuel 3.1, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Precious meaning rare. It was rare to hear the word of God. It was rare to hear the preaching of the word of God. Like in our country, there was days gone by when the word was being preached everywhere. Throughout the 13 colonies of the United States, from what I recall. But where is it now? Churches. There may be many churches. But they are empty, not of people. There's the word of God. No open vision. No widespread revelation. God was not speaking anymore. God had nothing to say, as it were. And why? Because the people stopped listening. What else could God do? Or what else would he do? And yet, thank God that he is faithful to his covenant. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, If you believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Verse 13. He cannot deny himself. It would be against his nature for him to deny himself. It would make him a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. And as it is written, that thou might be justified when thou speakest, and thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Romans 3, 3 and 4. God, as he has done in times past, even in the times of the judges, would raise up a prophet this time, a prophet, not another judge, a prophet who is after his own heart. As he raised David to be a king after his own heart. He would be one who, after Moses, would be one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. God's gift, and a godly mother's gift to the church and to the world. Only Jesus Christ would excel in all as our prophet priest. W.L. Caldwell wrote, No nation is greater than its mothers. Interesting statement. Because it includes, For they are the makers of men. Behind every praying mom is a godly man of God and a leader in the church, and even sometimes in a nation. As you might know even from our own history, question is, how is Hannah a godly mother? Hannah, which means, by the way, grace. Hannah prayed to the Lord. Hannah was in a problematic relationship. Talk about problematic relationships. Talk about families that are problematic. And who's is it? <laughs> 
Elkanah was far from a perfect husband. The fact that he was a polygamist was indicative of this. And though this was a primitive time in history, in the world, history of the world, and polygamy was part of human culture, like homosexuality and abortion and other evils, then and now, it hasn't, hasn't stopped, there's nothing new under the sun, just that maybe we're just having our eyes dilated for the first time. Like when I went this last week to get my eye doctor. I saw a lot of light <laughs> I didn't see before. Well, it or they, those things that we see, were never part of God's original design. And by the way, will never be part of God's original design. God doesn't change. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not concerned. Meaning, there's hope for you because of me. And our Lord, if uh, if we would turn to Matthew 19, 4 through 6. I think establishes this, this truth. This truth about uh, one husband, one wife. Verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said unto them, unto the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who were attempting to uh, test him, trying to trip them up. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? He was establishing the permanency of marriage. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. There it is. So it's called a creation ordinance, like it's family. The family is a creation ordinance. The Lord's Day, the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath, is a creation ordinance. That's why we worship each week on the first day of the week, celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But also note, by the way, in verse 6, that marriage is for peace. Wherefore, they that are no more twain, therefore they are no more twain but one flesh. But therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Hear that? No divorce. So if you're going to be married, remember that. And stick to it. And pray God for mercy to make the, the right and godly choice. And I'm speaking, of course, to those who have not been married. And by the way, these sins are very much like what missionaries to this day encounter when they go into the foreign mission fields and discover folks embroiled in all kinds of polygamous relationships that may take generations to entangle. And you don't have to be a bigamist, meaning having married two wives to do what was done by in our story, you can have concubines. We have that in the Philippines. It's very, very common. Even in, sadly, my own family. And so it was in the ancient world. Akena, which means God created, by the way, 
Elkanah created for Hannah a very difficult situation. We don't know the details, but we can assume that Hannah was his first wife. It's very similar to another previous patriarch by the name of Jacob who loved Rachel but ended up marrying her sister as well. But he married Hanina because of Hannah's barrenness. We know that for a fact. He thought it would be the only way to have a child. Remember another story as well? It was along these lines of Abram and Sarai and Hagar. Hagar was the one who bore him his first son. Because he thought, just like Elkanah thought, that that was the way. Where is trusting God? After all, isn't he the giver of life? Look, we shut up Hannah's womb in verse 5. But the Lord has shut up her womb. Do you not think that he has the power to also open her womb again? We've seen that. There's a family that is close to us that visited with us at the birthday party yesterday who is an example of that of the Lord opening the womb after they had already adopted the child. And that's okay. That's not the same as what is done in our story, of course. And yet the Lord shows his sovereignty over the birth of our children. And so Hannah suffered inwardly. She was ridiculed by her co-wife, I call her. It says in, in, in the word that her co-wife provoked her sore. It was like she was just after her, just after her all the time, every day, after her. Make her fret. She took pleasure in that. Because the Lord had shut up the room. And, and, and she, she would do that every year when, when uh, Hannah would get ready to go with Elkanah to the tabernacle to offer a sacrifice and to worship the Lord until she would get her crying tears to the point that she couldn't eat. And to make matters worse, her husband didn't understand what she was going through. Isn't that typical? <laughs> it says in uh, verses 6 or 8, Then said Elkanah to her husband, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? He knows why. You know why we know he knows why? Because of what he says next. And I'm not better to leave than ten sons. Doing the best he can under the circumstances. That oftentimes is the, is the situation that when you, when you start with sin, you end with sin. Or you end with misery and discouragement, and who knows what else. It's better not to go down that road. Nonetheless, nonetheless, Hannah prayed to the Lord. She didn't give up. She wasn't a quitter. She wasn't someone who would start a race and then stop. She was one of these that kept on going on, in spite of the obstacles in her path, in spite of the stumbling blocks in her way. 
It says in verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul. I can only imagine bitterness. Not having been there. And prayed unto the Lord, to the covenant God, and wept sore. Reminds me of when I was first converted, how the, the maid of my relatives uh, stayed there for a while. Every night, it seemed like, was crying in tears. And I wasn't yet a Christian at that particular time I first came into the home. And so I asked the family, I asked the children, why is she crying? And then the answer was, she's praying. She's praying. That's what it reminds me of when I read this. Eli, the high priest, saw her praying silently. Silently. He doesn't have a place for silent prayer. God still hears. But, of course, her mouth, her lips were moving, and, of course, the tears were flowing. Well, he thought that she was drunk. But no, instead, she was filled with the Spirit. And she told him so. In Psalm 142, 1 through 6, I think about this uh, in relationship to uh, this, this kind of uh, praying. This kind of praying. In Psalm uh, 142, 1 through 6. I imagine that these words or similar words uh, were uttered uh, from, her, from her heart. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I have walked, had they privily, privately, secretly laid a snare for me. I looked to my right hand and beheld that there's no man that would know me, meaning intercede for me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry. For I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. May as well read the last verse. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Notice how it always ends, it seems like, at least in this case, on a positive note. And why is that? Because God is here, you see? Sometimes we think that our, our, our prayers are falling upon deaf ears. Sometimes we feel like the heavens are like brass and our, our voices are just bouncing off of the ceiling of, of heaven and back, of the ceiling of, of earth and back. But don't think that way at all. Learn from an example like this one of David when he was praying in the cave when he was on the run from Saul of Tarsus and was at his wit's end as to what to do because his life was at stake. And yet he would not touch God's anointed. He would not uh, volley back, even though spears and arrows would be thrown at him. He would not. He would not. He would not. Because that was God's anointed. And he was not to do him any harm. And yet for his righteousness, he would suffer. For her righteousness, Hannah suffered. Did God give her the desire of her heart? What do you think? Look at verse 19. It says, And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. 
and the Lord You think the Lord ever forgets? You know when we forget the Lord? When we even get old and forget the Lord? Like I know of a woman who was close to death and an older woman in the Lord, Filipino, a dear friend who memorized scripture, who was just a, a scripture reciting word. I commend you for, for doing that. I pray you all would do that. But anyway, she couldn't remember the names of her children much less friends like me. We can't do that often. We ask, what is John 3.16? She recites it from memory. Yes. Hannah made a covenant with God. She said in this covenant, verse 11, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. In other words, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. I will lend him back to you because he was lent to me. I, he was asked from you, Lord, and you gave him to me. He was my son. But this is what I will do. Now, who would ever make that kind of commitment? Especially when you're talking about giving up your son at a very tender age. Just shortly after his wean from his mother. And yet, this is what she was willing to do. Because she was so desperate to have a godly. She will give her son to the ministry of the Lord. And, and Eli was right with, right along with her, giving his blessing to her and says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. I can't think of a better prayer request that one could ever give or ask from God. And God put gladness in her heart says in verse 18, her countenance was no more sad. So God turned the sackcloth of ashes into the garments of praise, did he not? Because the night to flee away from the dawn of the morning. Pray to the Lord, and this is how we know Hannah was a godly woman. But secondly, Hannah kept God's word. Remember her covenant promise to give up her son? Verse 11. It's called a vow of a Nazarite. It's found, you can read it for yourself. I won't do it at this time in number 6, 1 through 5. No cutting your hair, right? Uh, uh, you can't even eat. Or partake of the fruit of the vine, meaning grapevine, and that includes wine, of course. But even grapes, even raisins. Did you know my doctor, uh, at least the UCSD, uh, uh, they're, they're working with my helping my eat better, even my diet. I get texts every day. They told me I couldn't eat raisins. Ah, shucks. <laughs> I love raisins. <laughs> no, I, I don't have to be a, a Nazarite to be forbidden uh, that. Uh, but anyway, most of all, to lead a separated life for the King of Kings who has called you to God's work. perfect example is found in Hebrews 7, 25-27. The Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
says in verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. In other words, he is a, he is a, a priest that you can bank on, that you can rely on, that you can trust, that you know will, will do the job. And you know why? Because he rose from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. That's why all these other prophets, Muhammad and the like, are dead. But our Lord is alive. And not only that, it says that he is able to save us to the utmost that come into our life. Someone said that he is able to save to the utmost those who are in the guttermost. I, I believe that. That's where I came from. I don't know about you. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and yet made high to the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer sacrifice first for his own sins. He didn't have any. So he didn't have to, right? And then for the peoples. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, meaning weakness, sins. The law, namely, that the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Do we need one better than that? That's what I tell my Roman Catholic family members. Give it up. I've got someone better for you that you can confess your sins to and know that you will be forgiven, every single one of them. And that, will, and that those sins will be forever from God's presence. And those sins will be ever put away from you as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He will take your sins and he will cast them behind his back into the depth of the sea and remember them no more. That's his promise. That's the word, the promise that Hannah kept in her heart. Hannah had every intention of keeping the word of God by keeping her word. As it says, as she said, when she went up to, to worship at the tabernacle with her husband. Or when it was about that time, I should say, that she used to do that. And now she has her little one standing there. I will not go up until the child be weak. And then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Wow. Her husband was probably like, whoa, <laughs> what's happened to my wife here? <laughs> She's become a, a, a zealous servant of the Lord. And then he says, it would seem very until thou hast wounded him. Only the Lord established his word. That's all that concerned him. Praise God. Praise God. And she did. According to verses 24 to 28, she took him with her, finally, when he was weaned, and with three bullocks. That's a big offering. One ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. That must have really pulled at her heart, you know. I don't think the only, I think the only thing that would have been harder is to sacrifice your son, like what was 
put on one of our other one of our patriarchs that I made reference to Abraham. And he went up to Mount Moriah with Isaac. For this child I prayed, verse 27, and the Lord hath given my petition which I asked of him. How proud as it were she was of God answering her prayer. Are you thankful and are you confident and are you proud of God for answering your prayers like she was? She says, therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Did you know that the word ask in verse 27 and the word lent, that is lent on request, meaning I will do this, Lord, uh, if you give me a child. In verse 28, that those are really very synonymous words. They're almost the same word. I even said this to a woman this week who came up to our, our prayer table. It says on the, on, the, on the prayer side, need prayer? Ask. And she came right up and she was very, very, very happy to, to ask for prayer and ask for guidance. And, and I gave this example, although this was uh, still in the formative stage of my mind, I said, did you know that Samuel was asked from the Lord? My hand, of course she knew her Bible and she said, oh yes, yes, and she even chimed right in there. And did you know that she lent it to the Lord. Because our life, our life is on loan from God. It's not our own. It's not our own. And if you're a Christian, you've been bought with a price. And what a price that is. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. That's how we know she, Hannah, was a godly woman. Because she kept God's word in her heart. And lastly, Hannah gave thanks and praise to God. Now, we didn't read this part, so I'm going to read it now. And that's 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. So let's turn to it. First Samuel 2, 1 through 10. What a glorious, God-exalting prayer. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is wax feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and he maketh rich. He bringeth low. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes, 
and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for my strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointing. Which is not only a reference to the king of Israel, but moreover to the king of second gate in Jesus Christ uh, like the Psalms this song of praise is a prayer as well as a source of praise for our God the Heidelberg Catechism by the way asks the question and I won't give the whole uh, the whole of it why is prayer necessary for Christians because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires you see, when we pray, we are praising God, and we are giving thanks to God, and we are glorifying God. There is nothing more God-honoring, God-glorifying than prayer, informed by the Word, of course, as we even learned this morning. Hannah thanked and praised God. That's how we know, again, that she was a so I will propose this in conclusion and application to you, especially to you ladies, mothers, and you some weren't mothers. That's okay. I created some Happy Mother's Day that uh, weren't mothers, and thought, well, should I qualify that and say, well, you know, uh, this is uh, for your mother, or this is for your grandmother. No, I just said Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but especially for those who will be future mothers, as well as those who are already others. Will you dare to be a Hannah? Heard the hymn, Dare to be a Daniel? Dare to be a Hannah. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and 19 through 20, in conclusion. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. <coughs> Very well-known passage of Scripture for the saints. Godly woman prays. That's the first thing. A godly woman prays. Be careful or full of cares, worries, anxieties for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that the case? Isn't that so? So a godly woman prays. And secondly, a godly woman keeps God's word, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so, a godly woman keeps God's word. And lastly, a godly woman gives thanks and praise to God. Verses 19 and 20, 
conclusion. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And there we have it. There we have it. That's how you are to, that's what I mean by when I say, I dare you to be a Hannah. I dare you to be a godly woman like Hannah, who prays, who keeps God's word, and gives thanks and praise to God for so great a redemption. I hope on the basis of this that you have a blessed remaining Lord's Day and Mother's Day. Shall we pray? Oh, Father in heaven, we are thankful to you for the example of Hannah. What a sterling example. And there's so few like her, Lord, in the Word of God. I think of Joseph. Oh, my. I think of Joseph. And now I think of Hannah. And what darling examples of grace and of the faith they are. The Lord, especially for this occasion. And we pray, O oh God, that you might bless uh, the ladies of our congregation and those that are in our lives with this blessing there. And if they're not yet yours, if they've not yet come to the same saving faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would grant that to them, Lord. And that they would be mothers indeed, even mothers who are after God's heart. 